Hey girls, are you wondering how to get your offer to really stand out and float to the top of the pile? And you're tired of losing in multiple offers? Grab a pad of paper and a pen and let's dive into my five hot tips that I use to win in multiple offers all the time. Let's do this. You're listening to the Girl Get Your Face Off a Bus Bench podcast, where we invite you to check your ego at the app, grab a cup of coffee, and get ready to dive into all things real estate marketing, social media, friendship, hardship, love, money mindset, and all the things that celebrate you as a badass boss babe. We're here to encourage you, show up for you, give you a loving kick in the pants when you need it most, and be your soft place to land on the hardest of days. So pull up a seat at our table and get ready to be inspired and start living your best life by design. Welcome to the Girl Get Your Face Off a Bus Bench podcast. We are so excited you're here. Okay, girls, let's dive in. Hey, this is Beth, and this is my very first solo episode. Ah! I hope I don't screw this up too bad. Let's get this going. So today we're going to jump into my five hot tips that really uh, go the distance and get your offer to float to the top of the pile when you're in multiple offer situations. Have you lost out in multiple offers and you're just like, what the heck? Like, I've been doing this for 10 years. Like, why is my offer not standing out? Or better yet, you're a brand new agent and you're like, I really, no one's ever given me tips and tricks. How do I get my offer to stand out so the listing agent doesn't know I'm a brand new agent? It doesn't matter where you are in your career. You could be a newbie at this and really just new to the industry. You can be a veteran in the in this business, but you know, can't we all use a refresher every now and then? We're gonna jump into five top tips. So um, I hope you have a pad of paper handy because I'm gonna be throwing a lot of information at you and I hope you can take some notes as we go through this. So let's get started. Here are my five top tips to win in multiple offers. Tip number one, build rapport with a listing agent. And I know you're thinking and you're probably rolling your eyes like, oh, my God, like this is so elementary, Beth. Like, why are why are you telling us this? This is stuff we already know. I can tell you from being on the listing side of things that there are so many agents that don't do this. They just email over an offer and they're wondering like why it didn't get accepted. You I don't even know who you are. You didn't do any work on this offer to get the attention of the listing agent. The biggest thing is pick up the phone. I know, I know if you're a millennial listening to this, I know you're probably like, I hate talking on the phone. I would prefer to text. Pick up the phone. Take the time and do that. And really, really try to make a connection with the agent. It's going to get you so far. Um, unless the agent has specifically said in MLS They've put in the agent comments like you can only text or email. If they have not put those specific comments, then you need to pick up the phone and talk to them. And even if you're getting a voicemail, leave as much information. What are you supposed to say? So like, okay, you get the agent on the phone. Now what are you supposed to say to them? Here are some of the questions that I love to ask. The first one I always ask is, 
And now in this in this day and age when there's 50 offers on some listings, I sometimes try to do an icebreaker and say, well, I'm sure you have 100 offers on this awesome house already. Um, can you just give me an idea of how many offers you have? And they usually are like the laugh, like, oh, well, not 100, but, you know, we've got 20 so far. So you're probably going to get them to answer that question. Keep in mind, they don't have to answer any question. If the seller has directed them to not give you any information, you might not get any information and then you're going to have to go to a different tactic. But more often than not, the more questions you ask, the more information you're going to get. Okay, so how many offers you have? Can you tell me how many you have? Can you tell me if any are cash or dual agency? If they have a bunch of cash offers on the table and that is something that's really important to the seller to perhaps have a quick close and not to have any potential hiccups, it's good to have that information. Then you can share that with your buyers and really strategize on your offer. Your offer just really might not be competitive and then you can set the expectation for your buyer. Dual agency can be really tricky. Dual agency would mean that the listing agent and represented the seller and potentially also the buyer, or it could be another offer uh, within the same brokerage. There might be some sort of reduced commission. So that's a great question to ask. So yeah, yep, we have a couple offers that are dual agency. Then the next thing is, can you tell me if there's any at a reduced commission? If there's a reduced commission in play, that's going to affect the bottom line and potentially net the sellers more money. So these are things that you all, you need to know in order to be able to formulate a super strong offer on the behalf of your buyer. Another question I love asking is, are there any terms that the seller would find attractive? Things like, would a delayed move out period work? You know, you're at the house, you just showed the property and you could tell that it looks like they have a baby. It looks like they might have a couple of dogs. Well, giving the sellers an extra 48 hours, maybe 72 hours to vacate the property after closing could be that one little thing that nobody else is putting in their offers, but really, really makes their life easy for the sellers. There's that period of time when the sellers are all packed up and their house is all in a a pod or a moving truck, the buyers on the other end, all of their stuff is in a pod and a moving truck and they're passing each other on the street and they're like, well, for a couple hours, everybody is truly homeless. That isn't always ideal if you have babies and pets. So just think about like what, what sort of outside of the box terms could you put in your offer that would really make your offer just shine and look so much more sexy than any other offer out there? And the other magical question that I always ask is, what is an ideal close date for the seller? It seems so simple, but sending over an offer that has an ideal close date for the buyers when we're in a strong seller's market just feels like you're being tone deaf. So if you can accommodate the seller's magical closing date, if at all possible, like why would you not? It's just going to make your offer shine. Another thing I like to do is ask a few questions and then just shut up. Be quiet for a second and you many times will just be shocked at how much information the listing agent is just like, they just have diarrhea of the mouth and they just overshare So many times they share information that they are absolutely not supposed to be sharing. But hey, if they're going to share information with you and you can use that to the advantage and make that work for your buyer, soak it all up. 
take get your get a piece of paper out and start taking mad notes um, because you really really could use some of that information to your advantage. So that that's tip number one: build rapport. Tip number two: prep your buyers. Put yourself in their shoes for a minute. I mean, chances are you bought a house a while ago. Uh, it's so stressful. And they just want updates, especially when, say you write an offer on Thursday and the multiple offer deadline is Sunday. You have several days where they're just sitting there on pins and needles. They have no idea what to expect, especially if they're first time home buyers or they're buyers that haven't bought or sold a home for several years. It's just like that waiting is agony, agonizing. I know how I feel when I'm representing a buyer, like how stressed out I can be. I'm like, oh my God, that my buyers are like a hundred times more stressed out than I am. I do this for a living. You just have to keep in mind, like they don't do this for a living. You have to set that expectation. Um, even if you don't have anything to report, just calling them and saying, hey, Bob and Jason, like we, I don't have anything to report, but I just wanted to call and tell you like, hang tight. Like I'm in there with you. Like this is, you know, we can do this. Like, just please be patient. Sometimes that's all they need is just a little, you know, some reassuring. You're giving them a virtual hug, like hang in there. We've got this. So that that's huge. But there's so much hurry up and wait. So when you see a house, you know, nowadays you're lucky if you can get if you get an hour showing on a property, you've hit the jackpot. More often than not, your buyers are racing to meet you at the property. They're looking at the home for, what, 15 minutes, 30 minutes? Uh, we, Our team ran across a listing that had 10-minute windows of showing. I mean, really? Come on. And there's people queuing and lining up their cars down the road. You literally had to get there right on time and you had 10 minutes. So imagine how your buyers have to make a split second decision. They had to race to get there, make a fast decision. Do I like this house? Do I not love this house? Do I love it enough to write an offer on it? And then you get to this offer writing stage and you're waiting to hear on multiple offers, and it's like, oh my God, this is like the longest two or three days of my life. So you really have to educate your buyers on what does a multiple offer situation look like? What can they expect? Keep them updated anytime you get any news, even if it's just something ridiculous, but maybe the agent put a little note in MLS that you're, you know, they've given some sort of update along the way. Share that with it, with your buyers, even if it seems inconsequential, like they, they need to hear that and really set a realistic expectation of what they need to pay for the house, um, what sort of terms they're going to have to bring to the table for the offer to make their offer really stand out. If you're not educating them and setting that expectation, are you really earning your commission? I mean, they hired us for a reason. They want, they're hired us because we're the professionals. Like this is what we do all day, day in, day out. And they're looking to us for guidance. I mean, you need to provide them with information so then they can make a great decision about the terms that they want for their offer. Uh, there's a magical question. So this comes up all the time when I'm working with, actually it comes up when I'm working with buyers and sellers and our team sees this day in and day out. Buyers are always asking, what do you think this house is going to sell for? It's in multiple offers. There's, you know, we know that there's 20 offers on the table. What do you think it's going to sell for? And I always am like, well, God, I wish I knew. Uh, If I had a magic ball and could foresee the future, 
I certainly wouldn't be selling real estate. I'd be like cashing in on some stocks or something. So the question I always have buyers ask themselves is if you don't win this home and you hear it, you heard that it sold for X amount of dollars, would you be upset that you didn't make that offer price? And I can't answer that question for you. Like that's a question that the buyers have to answer themselves. And then, you know, once they come up with that number, then you can really help them with like, okay, now now how are we going to present the offer really, really strongly with a good solid price to really get their attention? Tip number three, how to make your offer stand out. You know, anytime a property goes into multiple offers, you have to do something really magical with your offer to make it stand out. It isn't always the top price that wins in multiple offers. You just, you really need to like think outside the box. So here's some of the things that I do to make my offer look more attractive and look sexier to the seller. In Minnesota, our typical inspection period time is seven to 10 days. Can you reach out to your home inspector ahead of time and find out if they have any openings? So, and get potentially like reserve a time and knock those inspection days down to two to four. You know, if you can cut those inspection period times at least in half, that's gonna be way more attractive to the seller. We talked about this other one a little bit earlier, but the longer possession time, Give the sellers 48 to 72 hours to move out of the home. Uh, what this does is that they don't have to be the they don't have to be homeless trying to figure out, okay, what are we gonna do? We have the baby and the baby's on a nap schedule and this is a nightmare. Like this is what are we gonna do? Our baby, we just got our baby to sleep on a normal sleep schedule and now we're gonna be homeless here for a day or whatever. That's a nightmare for sellers. We've got pets. We're moving across the country. There's just so many different scenarios that really giving the seller a couple of extra days to move out could really be advantageous. Uh, this one is super elementary and I'm shocked all the time. Every single time I have a listing and I get an offer and this box is not checked, like I'm like, my mind is blown. I'm like, I don't, it's one of the easiest things you can do. On the purchase agreement, make sure to check the box that says you're going to provide a lender commitment date. This is so obvious. Um, if a property is not in multiple offers, I'm going to probably check the less stringent offer. But if you know the properties in multiple offers, you're going to have to provide a lender commitment date. Most listing agents aren't even going to take your offer seriously if you're not willing to provide one of those. And make sure you have a conversation with your lender and make sure your lender can perform on that date and get the loan done in that time frame. But as long as you've had that conversation with your lender, it's something that's so easy to do and it really gives the sellers peace of mind that your buyer is solid and they're they're willing to move forward with the offer. Earnest money. Typically here in our in Minnesota, it's uh, like a 1% of the purchase price for earnest money. If you want to show that your buyers are really damn serious about buying this house, increase that number to three to five percent. It's not like that's additional money that they're going to have to bring on top of what they already ha are going to bring at the closing table. That just becomes part of that closing number anyways. And if they truly love the house, they need to put some skin in the game and show that they're really serious and really want this house. So upping that earnest money from 1% to 3 to 5% or even more is really going to show that your buyers love it and they are they're they're in it to win it. If you're buying a property with association, 
you cannot read, you can't just skip that association period, that time where you're reviewing the documents. Even if your buyer knows everything about the association and maybe they live in the association already and they're moving from one property and they want to buy a different property, you still have to have that time where you can review those documents, but maybe you don't need the whole 10 days. Did you know that there is a form in MLS in the contract section where you can reduce that 10 days down to three? There's a lot of agents that have no idea that that form even exists and have never used it. But if you can reduce those association document review period from 10 days down to three, it's going to move the offer along so much faster in the process. And that's going to be really attractive to a listing agent. Another tip that I love using is escalation clauses. If you've never used one, they can be very, very effective um, when negotiating and also to help protect that your buyer isn't overpaying for a property. An escalation clause is something that you got to call you when you when you call that listing agent and you're building rapport with that listing agent. It's something that I always recommend asking if they would entertain. And it's simply a question of like, we're considering using an escalation clause. Is that something that you would entertain? That's all you need to ask the listing agent. They're either going to say, yep, I use them all the time or nope, that is not an option. But if you do have the ability to use the clause, how it would work is you write the purchase agreement for whatever price you and your buyers determine. And then near the back of the purchase agreement where you have all the extra lines in the purchase agreement, you would write a sentence that says buyers willing to pay X amount of dollars, let's just say $1,000 over the highest net offer up to a max of whatever. So let's just use 200,000. So you wrote a $200,000 purchase agreement. You said, my buyers are willing to pay $1,000 over the highest net offer up to a max of 210,000. So what that means is, is that you've written the offer for 200, but your buyers are willing to pay $10,000 over the asking price. So they might pay 200 for the house, they might pay 210 for the house, but there's a really really strong chance that they're going to pay somewhere in between those two numbers. And what that does is when you get to call your buyers and say, "Hey, guess what? We want multiple offers." And they're like, ah! screaming on the other end like, "Oh my god, we're so happy. Thank you, thank you, thank you." And then you say, "And guess what? You only had to pay $206,000 for the house. I just saved you $4,000. Then they're really over the moon like, oh my God, like we were willing to pay $4,000 more. I'm like, well, guess what? Now you have an additional four grand to go spend on some new furniture. And you really, really shine and just look like a rock star agent. If you can use an escalation clause, they can be really super effective. Tip number four. Four, packaging your offer really pretty is so important. And I don't know why this is something that's so overlooked. When I'm on the listing side of things and I open an email from an offer that I get on one of my listings and at the bottom of the email, there's 10 random PDFs scattered in the email, I'm about ready to lose my mind. So then I have to click through every PDF to get all the details and, oh, did they add the seller's disclosure? Oh, do we have a pre-approval letter? It's a nightmare from a listing agent standpoint. And then think about it. They probably, if it's a property in multiple offers, and if they have anything more than two or five offers, think about some of these properties that get like 40 offers, 50 offers. The listing agent 
is going to want to wring your neck if you are not packaging up a pretty offer. And it's so easy to do. So let me tell you how I love to package offers. I download all of my, you know, fill out my purchase agreement like I normally would. And then my team uses what's called DocuSign. So some sort of signing platform where you there's Authentisign. There's a bunch of different ones out there. So you probably have something associated with your particular MLS, whatever, wherever you're located in the country. But wherever you are, use your signing platform to be the tool that helps you bundle, stumbling over words, like, yes, it is the tool. It's the tool, folks, that helps you bundle up your all of your PDFs into one really pretty, tidy package. So my team uses DocuSign, like I said. So I open up my DocuSign once I've developed um, or written up my purchase agreement. I've got my pre-approval letter. I've gotten a love letter from my buyers. I've got everything ready to go that I need to make this offer look super, super tidy, neat. And a lot of times uh, listing agents don't require offer cover letters we put an offer cover letter in too. If an agent, I we just use one of our own and just fill out all the fields and it talks about who our title person is, all of the terms of the offer. So when that listing agent opens an email from me, they have all the information that they need. They can literally look at it and have a high level review of what it is. They're like, oh yeah, whoa, this is a really, really awesome offer. So what that looks like is when they when a, when you put the PDF together, if you put a, co- a cover letter in, that's going to be one of the first things that you do. Then I put in my love letter from my buyers. Then the pre-approval letter goes in. You got to have a pre-approval letter. Nobody's even going to take you seriously if you don't put a pre-approval letter in. And saying that, oh, my lender's going to send it over to you in 20 minutes, that just doesn't fly in this day and age with how hot this seller's market is. You actually have to have your pre-approval letter ready to go. Or if your buyers are paying cash, you need that proof of funds. So whether that be an investment statement or a bank statement with all of the client's personal information blacked out, but the listing agent needs to see exactly where that money's coming from. So after the pre-approval letter or proof of funds, then I put an earnest money receipt, then I put in the purchase agreement, and then after the purchase agreement, then I put in all of the addendums that are applicable. It might be the association. If it's an older property, I'm going to have lead-based paint. There could be well and septic. And then I put the personal property addendum in there. Then I put in arbitration, then the seller's property disclosure, and bundle it all up in one tidy, neat little package. It just makes it look so pretty. Some tips and tricks for love letters. Same thing. There might be some listing agents. You know, I'm kind of seeing a fifth. I'm seeing a shift with love letters lately. And I, you probably are too if you're out in the field every day. Uh, there's a lot of listing agents that really are not loving them. But if you're able to send it, see, just make sure you're really building a connection with the sellers. If they're into the Vikings and your clients are mega Vikings fans, make that connection. If you can tell someone's in law enforcement and your clients in law enforcement, I had one that was really cute a couple of years ago where the 
husband and wife. One was from Wisconsin and one was from Minnesota. So they like within their within their relationship, they had this Packer Vikings rivalry going strong. And their whole entire garage was like half of it was Vikings and half of it was the Packers. Well, the offer we ended up accepting was the same thing. And the the letter that came with said, we can tell you guys are a house divided. We are too. And my sellers were like, okay, like this is totally the people we need to sell our house to. One loves the Vikings, one loves the Packers. Like they're going to love our house as much as we do. So it could be something that just seems so stupid to bond over, but you never know what's really going to set, just really jump out to the sellers. Tip number four. And really, these are best practices for any offer. So eventually, we're going to shift back to be a more neutral market. And then we're going to shift to be a buyer's market again. So it really doesn't matter. These are some tips that I love to use on any offer that gets submitted to um, a listing agent on a property. So regardless if the home is a multiple offers or not, have your lender call the listing agent and the, you need the lender to build rapport too, especially if you have a lender that nobody's ever heard of. My lender is a local guy and a lot of people are like, well, I, I don't, I don't know who he is. He doesn't work for a big bank. The reason I work with him is because he doesn't work for a big bank, but he's really good at tooting his own horn and talking about his success rate with closings and how he gets deals to the closing table. He's a fantastic communicator and he's really going to sing the praises of my buyers. Of course, he's not going to say they have an 800 credit score, but he's going to say, I verified their credit. Their credit is impeccable. They're using all of their own funds. Like we are ready to go. I verified their job history. Like he is really, really going to go to bat for our joint clients. So let him do what he's good at. And picking up the phone and him also building rapport with that listing agent is so important. It's not always the highest offer that wins. This is a little bit of a repeat from earlier, but finding out what's really important to the sellers could be that and being able to write an offer that accommodated some, maybe a weird request, who knows what it is, but if your buyer has the ability to accommodate requests that the sellers would like in offers, why wouldn't you? Another big thing is establish yourself in the area. Once you've been in the real estate business for a while um, and you've built a really good reputation for yourself, that alone could be the thing that gets your offer picked for your buyers out of a stack of 10 other offers. Let me tell you about a situation I had last year. And this was like, it was perfect. I was representing some buyers on the other side of town from where I live. Um, we were working with this really, they were buying this beautiful townhouse thing, like in a, in a college part of town, kind of over by the University of Minnesota. And we were working with this really awesome agent. She was super great to communicate with. She was just on the ball. She worked, she had the same work style that I do. And so of course we got along great. And our transaction across town was going fantastically. So fast forward, like 30 days later, I put a property on the market. So now I'm the listing agent and it's a property in my neighborhood. We had uh, seven or eight offers to choose from. And the offer we ended up picking was a super solid offer. But guess what? It was the agent that I was currently doing a deal with across town. And I already knew how she was going to be to work with. I'm already doing a transaction with her. She's fantastic. And anytime going forward, I see an offer from that agent cross my desk. Uh, 
you can bet your ass I'm going to consider working with her offer because she was so fantastic. And on the flip side of that, there's some agents that I've worked with in the last year, last handful of years, they might even be out of the business already. But if their offers come across the table, I can really guide my buyers and say, hey, this or my sellers and say, hey, this this is an agent that I worked with last year and this is how the transaction went. This is how the agent was to work with. And that really, that really could be something that makes the offer not get chosen is the lack of professionalism, uh, track record for over-promising and under-delivering. So really you building your reputation in the area as being an expert and really being a solid agent could be the thing that sets your offer apart for your buyers. Lastly, one of the things that I'm so that I I truly believe with my whole heart is I believe the most important thing to remember is to be the type of agent that you really want to work with. Like set the example of professionalism and let's really raise the standards in this industry. We all know the threshold to get into real estate is really low. I think anyone that's been in the business for a long time if given the choice, would probably vote yes to raise the threshold and raise the bar to get into this business. So yeah, you just really want to be that type of agent. Put yourself in their shoes. Like Be the type of agent that you really want to work with. And I think that is really going to make your offer stand out. So I hope you were able to get some tips and tricks that maybe you're not using currently that can help make your offers really stand out from the pack and help win more deals in multiple offers and really make you look like the rock star agent that I know that you are. Thanks for joining on my first solo episode and I can't wait to see you next week. Okay, girls, are you feeling as inspired as we are? We're over here cheering you on because you just finished another episode of the Girl Get Your Face Off a Bus Bench podcast. If you want more, head over to girlgetyourfaceoffabusbench.com for show notes and more episodes. And don't forget to subscribe and leave us a five-star review. They mean the world to us and they're what keep us going. Girl, thanks for being here.